This is the Ezra podcast. Ezra podcast. And with this is the review of this weekend's fights. I watched these fights in Malibu. Want to trip my girl, so I had to watch a lot of them on my phone. And uh, it was a long day. Like honestly, usually I'm used to watching these fights, you know, two at a time. You know, two TVs, but I had to watch them on my phone. It took me literally like about six hours to finish everything, catch up on everything. I'm not going to be talking about the Chavez Jr. fight. I tell you, Chavez Jr. is not a boxer. My friend asked me about this. He's like, is Chavez Jr. versus Silva who you got? And I was like, I wouldn't be surprised if Silva won. And uh, it's because Chavez Jr. is not a boxer. He's an asshole. And I, I stand by those statements. You know what I mean? The, the, these guys say that, uh, you know, that the celebrities are disrespecting boxing. No, Chavez Jr. is disrespecting boxing. That's just disrespecting boxing. It's not that celebrities, they're showing up in shape. And Anderson Silva's not a celebrity, but I'm just comparing like Jake Paul, Logan Paul, all that. They're 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 showing up in shape, ready to fight. This asshole is not showing up in shape, ready to fight. That's who's disrespecting boxing. Congrats, to Anderson Silva. Uh, I don't. The people are saying this is going to set him up for a big payday. It did get a lot of like media. I'm noticing after like pre-fight, not really nothing, honestly. But then I did see on ESPN when Chavez missed weight that that was like on the main front page of uh, ESPN.com. So maybe that got more attention than I thought, but I thought kind of kind of thought this fight went under the radar. I thought it could have been bigger um, than it actually was. I thought if it would have got to, like, Triller, it would have been bigger, right? If it would have had, like, Triller, at, you know, at right now at this moment, probably could have made something happen with it, but it, it went out how it went out. I think Silva definitely earned himself a few more fights, you know, in boxing. In the, I'm not nothing serious, but... Maybe Roy Jones, which is a winnable fight again, because Roy Jones is shot. Um, not saying Anderson's not shot, because Anderson's shot too, or even Tyson, or you know, I, they said Jake Paul. I can't see Jake Paul taking that fight. I don't see what it does for Jake Paul. I mean Logan Paul. I don't see what Logan Paul gets from that. He just fought Floyd Mayweather. He's not going to fight Anderson Silva. That's a step down. Like it's just, and I know what are you saying? Like what's a step up from? For Floyd Mayweather, but I guess like maybe Delahoya wins, or if I, if he's serious about Mike Tyson, like that's that's where I see that they they would go with that. But I can't see between Anderson Silva. I really can't. Okay, but let's get to the fights that I did pay attention to this weekend, right? And we got let's start off with Jamal Charlo versus Juan Montiel. And going into this fight, we hear my pre-fight breakdown. I said Juan Montiel had skills. He had, he knew what he did in the ring. He knew what he was good at. He knew what he was going to try to do in the ring. He knew what his strategy would be. I, I said all those things. I said he was going to have moments. I, I told you guys. But I thought going backwards, he'd have a lot of problems. And he did because he doesn't have any style going backwards. I thought I told you defensively, he a lot of times he's playing a guessing game on where the punch is going to be with his hands. He tries to block him with his hands like last minute. And he's not athletic or fast enough or has a fast twitch muscles to do that style. He just doesn't. So when he did, when he did do that, he got hurt. And he did get hurt in this fight. And I thought he won more rounds than people wanted to give him. I thought he won a few early ones. I thought maybe he won one or two late. But he, he lost the fight. There's no doubt about it. Jamal Charlo won the fight. But at this point, for Charlo, everybody went in expecting him to win this fight. There was That wasn't the question. The question was how dominant was he going to look. And was he going to look like a world beater? Was he going to look like a legit challenger to Canelo Alvarez? And unfortunately, this fight didn't do that for him at all. And this is what happens, is these guys, they fight, 
you know, not that it's his fault, right? Like, who's he going to fight at 160? No one. They don't have anyone. There's no options. But they fight a guy like Montiel. And over time, right, you got to think. People are already, they know what Charles is bringing to the game. They know what he's bringing. It's not a surprise. They've seen, they have this tape on him. He's been famous for a while. He's been champ for a while. He's been the guy everybody's hunting. Everyone's hunting him. He's making his next opponent tougher. Charlo is. Because everyone is aiming at him at 160. Especially if you're with the PBC. That's the guy. Especially because Golovkin is not really taking real fights. So those opponents are automatically going to get better. Even if their skill level is not getting better. Because they're just seeing him more and more. They know what, to, what he's bringing. What to expect. Also, he's fighting guys, right? Because they have to search for opponents. Then maybe these guys would be world champions later. This is the Terrence Crawford effect. Then maybe these guys would be world champions later on in life. But he has to take them now before anyone knows them, before anyone gives them any credit or any credibility. And he has to fight them now. And they're a lot tougher than what maybe even we think. And now that diminishes what we expect of him because now we expect him to destroy these guys. Now, I hear excuses being made that he didn't take the camp seriously. I don't care about that. Discipline's a skill. I don't care about that. I'm not. That's not going to sway me. Like, well, okay, I'll judge on the curve. I don't give a damn. That's what he presented. It was a tough fight. I thought Montiel was going to be a tough fight. Even if he took this fight, I guess, 100% serious if you say he didn't. I think that's a tough fight, and that's the way it goes. Because a lot of things Charlo relies on, too, is just, like, his timing. And when he hurts you, that you stop coming forward. A lot of times, it's like, when he hurts you, he expects you not to come forward anymore. And Montiel is not that guy. He was ready to keep coming forward no matter what hit him. And he, when he did get hurt, and then when Charlo really went for it to get the stoppage, and it didn't come, I felt like Charlo was kind of in a situation where he's like, okay, I'm going to have to just kind of like outbox him, right? It's a decision. And Montiel was more like, I'm going to put pressure on him. Like in the later rounds, right? They were saying like Montiel had a great camp because in the later rounds, but in the later rounds, I saw that he kind of slowed down. Like he, I didn't think that Montiel was applying like that, that insane amount of pressure. To Charlo, I didn't think that. I thought he was coming forward, but I thought he could have, like, to me, if he was in, like, um, amazing elite shape, I thought he could have did a lot more pressure in the last three rounds. I thought he kind of let Charlo off the hook a little bit, especially when I thought Charlo was getting affected by those body shots, and he definitely was. There was even a part where he got hit to the body, and he responded right away with the hit to the body. Another shot to Montel's body. That's a little tells, you know, showing you that, oh, okay, that hurt me. I want to, you know, I want to get it back. Those little giveaways like that, it's because the fight was affecting him. The punishment was affecting him. There's no doubt that the fight was affecting him like that. So, you know, Charlo, he's just, it's a, he's in a tough spot, honestly, at the weight class. I was just doing a thing on Instagram and Twitter on who I think, like, you know, some of the fights are going to be after this weekend that would make sense. There's not a lot. Like, for Charlo, there isn't. I looked. I was, there's really nothing that makes sense for him. And if he doesn't want to move up, it's tough. It's slim pickings. The one I came up with is Luis Arias. Luis Arias has been fighting at 160. He was looking to move down to 154. He beat Jared Hurd. That gives him some a name credibility. You know what I mean? That's a credibility. He's not probably at the top of anyone's rankings, but at that at that weight, I mean, who's in the rankings? He has to be top ten at least somewhere. I think Luis Arias is the fight to make. 
I know he's he's on the money team, so it's PBC side. Just be hurt at 160. I think he takes that fight because it's probably a good money, good payday for him. That's the fight to make, in my opinion. There's nowhere else to go. Munguia is probably going to fight Rosado next. Triple G's doing exhibitions, then he's going to fight Murata, so that eliminates Murata. That's the only place to go. Luis Arias and Charlo, either that or 167. That's where he's at right now. Backs to the corner. He's, he's cornered. He's cornered. And that fight did not help him get any closer to Canelo, unfortunately. And I think he's a good challenge for Canelo. I think that's a really good opponent. It's one of the more legit opponents. I really think Charlo is very good. And that fight didn't really deter me from him, but I think it probably deterred people watching him. They think probably a little bit less of of him and his style and how good he really is. Yeah, that's what happens. You're either growing or you're either gaining or you're diminishing. That's it. That's the way the world works. Let's go to another fight where you had a, a champ versus a guy that, you know, top rank didn't have any really real opponents for him to fight. All the guys we want to see him fight were in the crowd. They weren't in the ring. Anyway, but he had a different performance because he got the job done. He looks dominant. He looked the part of what he was supposed to look like in that fight, in that situation versus Das Marinas. And Das Marinas is tough. He has some power, has some pop. But the errors that he made were just too big and too open. And they were too clear to Inouye right away. And once Inouye got to the body, too, it was over. Like, once he dropped to the body and gave Inouye that towel, Inouye was just, like, blood in the water. It was just on him. And everything he did, he did everything in a complete... It was like a complete performance. And yet, it's on Twitter right now. Like, Tank Davis was, you know, telling uh, some of his trainers and, like, in his gym about how good Inouye was. And it was just kind of like, to me, like, it's kind of like a thing building now, like, for in a way. Like, he he always kind of was considered, like, an indie star, I would say, like, in boxing. But this could really turn into something. Because the guy, there's not a lot. Like, you don't get talent like this all the time. It really is special. Everything that he can do, how balanced he is, how fast he is, how powerful he hits, how good his defense is. That was a complete performance. And no matter who the opponent is, that's how good it was. Like, it didn't matter who was in front of him, even though he was lesser than him and lesser than the guys who want to see him fight. He did everything. Everything you want to see to be like, why is this guy considered so great? He did it. I don't know where they go next with him. Now, there's rumors that he could be fighting the winner of Donaire uh, Casemiro. I have my doubts on that. And I don't think Rigo moved aside to let Donaire fight that fight. Without being guaranteed the next fight, the winner in a big payday, I I don't think Rio's not gonna do that. Okay, he's not gonna do that. He's not gonna do no one no favors like that. The idea I have, right, it might be crazy. Is Isaac um, Dog Bay was on the card? I'm getting to fight next. And Topper does this. It doesn't do this like accidentally, right? They don't. They choose their cards very, very, very carefully. They do a lot of the same opponents. Like if you watch a top rank card, you've seen the guy that fought, the guy that wins, and the guy that lost uh, numerous times on the card. It happens all the time. I think Inouye's gonna look to move up, and I think Isaac Dalbay is the guy. I think they were gonna say the winner of Adam Lopez or Isaac Dalbay was gonna be the guy he moves up to against, and it makes sense because both those guys are not I would consider late. They're very good fighters. 
they look the part. They're entertaining. But they're beatable. If you're an elite fighter, you, you should be Isaac Adam Lopez and Doug, Isaac Dogbe. You should. Anyway, it's elite fighter. And he has good power. And he has good speed. And if he looks to move up one more time, right, and just test the waters at 122-123, the winner between those two would, would be the perfect fight for him. So let's get to that card. Let's get to that fight. And this might be, to me, uh, the fight of the weekend. It's definitely a candidate for fight of the year. I don't think it takes fight of the year, but it's a, it's a candidate. That's that's It's honorable mention. Isaac Dahlbeck versus Adam Lopez. And this is a fight I lost money on, bet-wise. But, you know, when you lose these bets... And I'm learning, right? I'm not, I'm not like the best better, right? I'm not uh, the most experienced, I would say. But the thing is, like, as long as it stood true to what I believed I was going to see, I feel good about it, even if I lost. Dog Bay Adam Lopez look exactly how I thought it was going to play out. I told you that Adam Lopez would make a run late. I told you that he could do more things in the ring, and he would find the thing that worked and be able to attack that later. Dogbe wasn't going to be able to do that. He has one style. And I thought he was going to be a little bit more patient, a little more selective. I thought they were, they were going to work with him on, with his new trainer. But he wasn't that. He was just old Dogbe, honestly. He was still explosive. A little less lunging, right? A little less getting off balance when he attacked. But it was Dogbe. It was Dogbe. It was explosive. Um... At points wild, at points looping, but fast. Everything that made him, like, that's what I was worried about. Were they going to take away the things that made him good? They didn't. He It brought out. And maybe it got brought out in this fight. Maybe they didn't plan for him to look the way he did. But it got brought out in this fight because Adam Lopez was, was game and he it was tough. And Dogby just fell back into what he does, right? He fell into his groove. And he took enough of the early rounds. Now, to me, I scored the fight a draw. I thought it was 5-5. Um, five, five. But I'm okay with either guy winning this fight. I'm going to tell you why. Even in the rounds where Adam Lopez, I was scoring for Adam Lopez, right? Where he was coming off putting the pressure. Dabe was still landing good shots. Now, even though the momentum was shifting and even though the commentators were shifting towards Adam, the rounds were close. They were not like if he was, had Dabe against the ropes ready to finish him in those last rounds. He didn't. Maybe at points in this fight, he did, right? But Dabe did put on a good poker face. He did fight back. But those rounds at the end where Adam Lopez was, you know, taking control of the fight, in my eyes, in the commentator's eyes, they were still close. I was thinking, I'm like, Dabe's still landing, too. Like, these rounds could really go either way. The commentating crew, in my mind, my mind, I was already sort of kind of saying, like, Adam Lopez was taking these late rounds. And then the commentating crew was saying, like, Adam Lopez is coming along. But I think that was along the storyline that they were kind of feeling and trying to tell. But it wasn't necessarily true because Dabe, even though he was going backwards, even though he was getting hit, he was still landing good shots. He was still throwing big shots. I'm okay with him getting the decision here. With Adam Lopez, it might just be the career he has where he's like a winsome, some type guy. Because even though he could do a lot right in the ring, even though uh, he has some of the size advantages, all these things, he doesn't have elite power. He doesn't have elite speed. He's not an elite defensive fighter. He just kind of could do a lot of stuff. But he needs, he has too many like lapses early on, middle of the fight. That's that's what happens. That's how these fighters become win some, lose some. The lapses, the parts where you're like, why, why did you allow this to happen early? He boxed good at times. And then he like f- forgot the jab 
And when he started jabbing, like, it opened up everything for him. And he kept Dogbay back. But then, like, it's just these little things were separate an Andre Ward from, I'm trying to think of, like, a win-some, lose-some type fighter. I don't know. I, well, let's say Ana Lopez, right? That's the thing that separate him, right? It's Andre Ward finds what he's good at, and he goes in there with a plan, and he executes it. Antelopez doesn't do that. He has, like, lapses of judgment, and he gives up rounds, and things like that's how you lose these close decisions. It's honestly, you know who Antelopez reminds me of? Badu Jack. He really does. He reminds me of Badu Jack. He's talented. He has the ability, but he just has not put it all together yet. In this performance, this was should have been it to me. I thought that he was going to have, I thought he had the advantages that he needed to win this fight. I thought that, um... I thought Dabe was not responding well to his punches at, at times. I thought that he found something that worked was with the jab. And then suddenly it would just like, it would just start sneaking away from him again. And it would be like, oh, you got to get that back when he just lost. He could never take full control of the fight. I think that's more mentality than it is like flaws he was doing in the ring, honestly. Because I think it's just like mental slip up of like, hey, that was working. Stick with that. Focus on that keep doing that and he just didn't he couldn't and Dabe fought the way that he fights he did he fought back into the style that what made him you know the prospect and now he's not a prospect anymore he's a contender he's a he's a ranked top 10 ranked type guy at that weight and if he gets an anyway fight that's huge and that's to me makes sense and I don't know what they do with anyway besides that because I'm looking at the rankings I'm like they don't have this guy they don't have this guy they don't have this guy the guys on lower weights they don't have the only thing that makes sense is going up. The fight that I did want to talk to about on the Jamal Charlo card was Angel Leo versus Almeida. And I scored the fight for Almeida. I thought Almeida... I thought the fight was close. It was super close. Angel Leo is kind of like Adam Lopez. Is where, like, too, where he, he could do a lot of things. He's better defensively than you think. He's better offensively. Like, more dynamic offensively than I think. Um... He's big. He's kind of big for the weight. He does a lot of things, but I still feel like there's moments, exactly like Adam Lopez, that he gives away or he loses himself or he lost himself a lot of the positioning of the fight. He has back his ropes. I don't really think Almeida really earned putting his back against the ropes as much as it was. Sometimes his offense is just flurring, but it's kind of like on the gloves, on the arms. And I thought Almeida's work was way more effective throughout the fight. And I could really see Almeida applying what he was trying to do. And I just kind of thought, like, Leo was kind of responding, looking to respond. Leo kind of has to, like, offensively make the fight kind of ugly, in a way, of his style. Because he's just not, like, the most precise puncher. And he doesn't have, like, those heavy, crisp shots in his game. He's more a numbers applying pressure, then defensive. Like, he could do a lot. He's giving you a lot to look at in the ring, but I just thought Almeida was taking care of it. He wasn't, nothing was really confusing him. And I just thought Almeida had won the fight. I thought Almeida was just more effective than Leo was, but they gave it to Leo. It was a close fight. I just didn't think Leo won. I didn't think the crowd thought he won. I thought Almeida did enough to win this fight. At that weight class, though, it's not like Almeida's done. Almeida's going to get plenty of shots at that weight class because there's just so many guys to fight. You got Vic Pasillas, uh, uh, Raiz Alim, who I think should fight Angelil next. You have um, the Fulton versus Figueroa. You got Neri. There's 
that weight class is stacked. And don't forget the right below that, Donaire, Casamero, Rigondel. Um, all those guys are right there, like a week, a few few pounds below that. So Almeida's gonna get more shots. I thought he won this fight. I thought he should have won this fight. It wouldn't be mad at rematch, but I think they're gonna move El, uh, Leo somewhere else because he just has so many opponents. They don't really need to do a rematch. Let's go to the UFC. We got Korean Zombie versus Danny Gay. And once again, lost money on this one too. Not not a good week for bets for me, but. It still was in the line with what I was seeing. That's where, like, that's the part where I get mad. Is if I say something's gonna happen, and I I tell you how a fight's gonna happen, and it's nothing like that, and I'm like, what was I looking at? This fight was kind of what I thought it was gonna be. No, I told you that it'd be interesting on the ground, but Korean Zombie was just positioning wise, which is so important, right? I was just listening to a guy talk about jujitsu, um, on the Jorgen podcast, and he was saying that. The problem with jiu-jitsu, right, is that there's kind of an agreement, right, where a guy takes the top position and another guy goes to the bottom position. It's kind of agreement. It's not really a battled-upon thing. And I've done jiu-jitsu before, and I know that too because I like – because I am come from boxing, so it's kind of like my mentality is like to be more aggressive to me. Boxing, you have to be more aggressive. You have to be on the attack. You have to make sure – and jiu-jitsu, sometimes if you go straight into jiu-jitsu, it's more defensive, it's uh, self-defense. So I go on my back. Well, I want to work off my back. This is more in real life position, right? Someone takes me to the ground, right? How do I defend myself? So in real life application of like someone attacking you, you want to get good on your back. But in MMA, I don't think that's the best thing because first of all, submissions are hard to come across, especially with time limits, especially with ref standing you up, especially with people being slippery or people being able to punch, kick, all those things. I think... Submissions aren't the easiest thing to come across. So then if submissions are very hard to come across and then you give up the positioning and the being on top position is considered the dominant position in MMA or someone getting your back's a dominant position or side control. Well, you're at a huge disadvantage, right? And I thought that Danny gave was too okay being on his back. But I think that I, in the fights I've seen before, he had once was back too. And I don't know why I didn't think of this. And I usually I'll point something out like that, but I just, this one I didn't, it slipped my mind, right? That he gave up that position too easy. And Korean Zombie, once he realized that he could get to those positions, those dominant positions easy, he, he controlled the fight. In the first three rounds, that's what it was. Is he knew that when they got to the ground, he was going to get the dominant positions, and Dan was going to try to be defensive off his back or defensive while Korean Zombie's on his back. But that's, scorecards-wise, that's, you're basically screwing yourself on that. Then Dan started going to the body in the, the fourth, fifth round. Started moving his head, started picking his spots a little better, and he was effective, super effective. And of course, Korean Zombie was effective with his left hand, like I told you he was, because his, his left hand is very active. It's very responsive. But Dan started putting the pressure. And in the fifth round, right, when I think he kind of has Korean Zombie, you know, in trouble. He starts looking for a takedown because he was dead tired. And he said, like, maybe I get him to the ground and do some work. That's what I know what his mentality was thinking. And at that point, I was like, well, you, you, you ruin any chance you had. Now, of course, he's tired. It was a five-round fight. He was most of the time surviving on the ground. Okay, but I, with the advantages I thought he was going to have, he did have in the stand-up department. I thought he was going to have those advantages. 
in the ground, I thought it'd be interesting, but he gives up the positioning too much. You cannot, I don't know, in MMA, anyone's going to be world champ for just giving up to their, going to their back. Okay, I just, I can't see it. I can't see it. Submissions are way too hard to come across. People see it. They train us every day. They can punch. They can get out of things. Even if you're training, like I'm tapping out guys in the gym all day. Like if people are punching and it's like live action, it's just a lot different. It's a lot different than like just doing jujitsu, no-gi jujitsu, and you're tapping people up. It's just different. I think Korean Zombie's in an interesting spot. I think he's kind of like a fan favorite. He wants Holloway next. I don't know if that fight's going to happen. Holloway is injured, so he's not fighting your year, so maybe he can come back and take that fight. I like Barbosa. I think that fight makes sense. I think Barbosa's been loyal to UFC. I think he, like, he fights everyone. He's borderline top five right now at that weight class. I don't think they mind you know, giving him a shot to really prove, say that he proves at that weight class. He's been pretty effective at this weight class so far. Him and Zombie just sounds like a good fight. It sounds like a war. I like that fight. I think don't sleep on that matchup because I think that's, that is possible. I think the UFC would look to go that way. Now let's get to bets this week. Fake money, real bets. Um, not good. Not good. I got Dan Ige over Korean Zombie. Didn't happen. Um, he was effective where I thought he'd be effective in the stand-up, but his positioning, the stuff he was getting up on the ground, Korean Zombie just looked really sharp, especially coming off that Brian Ortega fight where he didn't look good at all. But, you know, Ortega's really good on the ground, and maybe that's the zombie, you know, this is where he was so effective here is because he was just better than Danny Gay on the ground. Who Danny Gay's pretty decent on the ground, too. Just couldn't get anything done. Positioning battle wasn't any good. And Adam Lopez over Dog Ray. And I like, I'm okay with taking this bet. He was an underdog, slight. I, I don't think I was wrong. I think I was right. It was a fight that could have won either way. I scored a draw. But it, it didn't go my way. But I, my mind was right. And that's why you got to feel good. You got to attack it like that. Like I said, I'm still this. My new total is at one million five hundred eight. So I started at one million seven hundred fifty eight this week, before the fights, and now I'm at one point five zero eight. I'm okay with that. Like I said, I just want to double the money by the end of the year. That's my plan. If I could tell anyone that whatever money you bet with my bets, and at the end of the year I double it, that's all I want. I think that's more you can ask for anyone that's picks fights or the better. They could double your money. I'll take it. We got this week. We're going into Tank Davis week. We're going to Lomachenko. Two interesting fights. Two same weight classes. Well, Tank's moving up, but really fighters at the same weight class. And they're two, you know, interesting tests with bigger fighters they're fighting. Oddly similar fights. I'll be breaking that down this week. I'll have a straight to video podcast coming this week on YouTube. Thanks for listening. Please like, subscribe, review, do all that good stuff. Lace.